From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up. The future of the auto industry is electric. There's no turning back. That was President Joe Biden in Dearborn, Michigan, yesterday, pushing for electric cars as his policies drive up the cost of gasoline. We'll talk about the impact the president's anti-energy policies will have on job creation and consumer costs with Montana Senator Steve Daines. We'll also get the latest from him on a fallback measure that some are working on now that H.R. 1, the federal takeover of elections, failed to get out of a city Senate committee. The Biden administration is uh, pushing the teaching of critical race theory. We've talked about that. They're doing that throughout the federal government and in the Department of Education. And as a result, states are pushing back. Several states are making sure the racially divisive curriculum does not make its way into their classrooms. One of those states is Montana. The superintendent of the Montana schools, Elise Arntz, is here with what states are doing and why. And earlier today, the Republican leaders in both the House and the Senate announced their opposition to the Democrats' 9-11 style commission for the January 6th event at the Capitol. We'll be joined by the House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, later here on Washington Watch. Also, Republicans have had enough of Nancy Pelosi's asinine mask policy. GOP Doctors Caucus is saying Follow the science, not the politics. One of those doctors, Dr. Andy Harris of Maryland, joins us today on Washington Watch. Join us tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 7 Central, 5 Pacific, for Pray, Vote, Stand, as we take a deeper look into what is happening in Israel, the why, and the how we should respond. Again, that is tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayvotestand.org. Right, yesterday, President Biden visited Ford Motor Company's electric vehicle plant and pushed for further development of electric cars in the U.S., even though there seems to be little evidence that the public wants it. Uh, what Americans do want, though, particularly in the southeast, is gas. But rather than supporting American pipelines, the president is canceling them here in the U.S. and supporting Russian ones instead, it appears. And the very people he claims to champion are the ones who are getting hurt most by the gasoline shortage and the price increases. With me now to talk about this and more is U.S. Senator Steve Daines from Montana, who serves on the U.S. Senate Energy and Natural Resource Committee. Senator, welcome back to the program. Good to be with you, Tony. So standing at in front of electric cars, talking about electric cars when people are standing in line to get gas, reminiscent of the 1970s energy crisis, is this a diversion? Is the president not paying attention to what Americans are facing right now? Tony, you can't make it up. You look at the hypocrisy coming out of the Biden administration. Six hours after the president is sworn into office in January, he kills the, the Keystone Pipeline. Then we saw the Russians hack an American pipeline. And then we saw the president announce he supports a Russian natural gas pipeline that will continue to put the Europeans in a dependency with Russia for natural gas. Tony, I I mean, I've never seen anything like this. And so the, the, the answer to higher prices, higher energy prices and the gas shortage is not more electric cars. It's more American energy. 
And that means more pipelines, more development of oil, more development of natural gas, because we made such progress. Tony, you remember the, the, the 1970s, the War of Yom Kippur? We saw uh, gas lines. We saw the 55-mile-hour speed limit. We saw uh, the embargo on oil. We saw 18.6% 30-year fixed mortgages in 1981 as a result yep. of inflation caused by rising energy prices. We don't want to go back to those days. But that's where President Biden, he, he's jamming that electric car he's driving in reverse, moving us back to days that we want to never, ever have to go back to. This isn't rocket science. Uh, when you flood the economy with money like they're doing with their six trillion dollars in uh, various plans that he's proposing, then you shut off the supply of oil. I mean, again, this isn't rocket science. I, I want to go to the to the to the pipeline um, Two two things. One. Uh, the, the Keystone pipeline that he shut off. Look, this is environmentally safe. This is good for jobs. Uh, the president keeps saying he's going to create millions of jobs with his uh, green energy. Not sure how that's going to happen when people are standing in unemployment lines because of the pipeline being shut down. But then unpack also what this uh, pipeline in Russia and the, the actions the president is taking on that. Well, let's compare those two pipelines. First of all, we have two and a half million miles of pipelines running throughout America. Why the president singled out the Keystone Pipeline is a great mystery. I think the reason is, Tony, is it was a payback after the last election to the environmental extremists, these activists that want to see something done here to start shutting off the supply of American energy. But that pipeline enters Montana. That's the first place it comes into. It, it crosses my state, crosses six counties. It would provide hundreds of jobs in Montana. These are great jobs, highest-paying jobs we have in eastern Montana with great benefits. It actually, there's 100,000 barrels of oil a day of North Dakota Montana oil coming in that pipeline. It's the lowest carbon emission uh, means of transportation because if you don't put it in a pipeline, you'll put it in rail cars or trucks, which emits more carbon than a pipeline. So it's a low carbon option. It generates $80 million of tax revenues every year for the state of Montana. That, that funds teachers and law enforcement and infrastructure. And speaking of infrastructure, this is a private sector-driven infrastructure project that creates jobs and generates tax revenues. It doesn't take taxpayer dollars to execute this project. And so it, it's mystifying, other than it's a payback to the radical environmentalists. Now, you compare that, where he kills a project like that, the president, to Biden now supporting this Russian natural gas pipeline that goes into Germany. I mean, why in the world do we want to put the Europeans in greater dependencies with the Russians when they just hacked our own pipeline here, the colonial pipeline, most likely? And so this is such a contradiction, such a hypocrisy, and frankly, it's dangerous policy, not only in terms for our economy, but for national security. Uh, Senator Daines, I, I want to get you to explain something because I'm just not catching on to what the president is saying. Here's another clip of what he said uh, yesterday uh, in Michigan about creating jobs. One of the most consequential issues facing the world, the climate crisis. And I made it clear at the outset, as each of the, these folks came on, what I've long believed. When I think of the climate crisis, Beyond its devastation of lives and livelihoods and health of our very planet, I think jobs. I think jobs when I think climate change. How do you get jobs when you uh, shut down industries? Well, what I think about, Tony, is the loss of jobs. 
Yeah, I, I think about jobs, too. I think about job loss. I would like to have President Biden, Vice President Harris, why don't they come with me and my Ford pickup? And, uh, and it's running on gasoline, by the way, and we'll drive out to eastern Montana. I'd like to have him stand in front of the Montans that lost their jobs with one stroke of the pen by President Biden. So I think about job loss while he's thinking about jobs. It's, it's I, again, Tony, you just shake your head and say, well, he's telling the American people this flat out isn't true. Senator, uh, you made reference to infrastructure. Uh, there is um, the, the president has his massive infrastructure bill, which very little of it is actually infrastructure. Uh, it's going to be uh, electric plug-ins for all those cars he's wanting to create. The uh, you know saying he wants bipartisan support. Apparently, GOP your colleagues met a, a group of them met. Um, it does not appear that there is going to be bipartisan support for their infrastructure bill. Well, they're looking to push another liberal wish list like they did with the COVID, so-called COVID package a couple of months ago. That was $1.9 trillion, Tony. Now they're looking at spending another $2.3 trillion with this so-called infrastructure package. But when you unpack it, it's primarily another liberal wish list, free community college, daycare, spending more money on, on electric vehicles, then on bridges, roads, waterways, ports, airports. That's what infrastructure is. So it's if they're they're reading a whole different dictionary, Tony, the one that uh, that uh, at least uh, I learned when I was going to college. So I, I'm just I'm a bit uh, skeptical. I think these bipartisan talks may be just a way to try to appease the, Amer the American people saying, yeah, we want to see Washington working together. But as we've seen from the Biden administration and from Schumer and Pelosi, it's their way or the highway, and that's what they have done so far to, to frankly, the detriment of our country. Uh, Senator Daines, I want to move on to uh, another issue where there there is a pretty strong opposition. In fact, uh, the push for the what I call the federal takeover of elections, uh, H.R. 1, S. 1, uh, failed to get out of the Senate committee but now you have two of your colleagues uh, that are working on a, a fallback plan that's just as dangerous, in my view, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, working on going back to the uh, Voting Rights Act and, and changing that to limit what states can do, in fact, requiring all states to get, as I understand what they're proposing, preclearance to changing districts and election laws in their states. I mean, that's, to me, that's a federal takeover of elections. Tony, here's what's going on. Uh, the left wants to take over this country via a power grab. That was the source of, uh, of the D.C. statehood debate. It's a power grab of the U.S. Senate. That's why they want to pack the Supreme Court. It's a power grab of the Supreme Court. Now they want to execute another power grab, and that is take over the elections. This is another attempt to really undermine federalism when it comes to elections. Our founding fathers, remember, uh, placed a high priority on state legislatures as it relates to the way that elections are conducted. This is a solution in search of a problem. Remember, looking at this last election, Americans voted in record numbers. The 2020 turnout was the highest in a century. So, so tell us why we need to change the, the laws. Uh, African-American turnout in 2020 was up 3% over 2016. Think about a state like Montana and other states 
But we did, thanks to our great new Republican governor, Greg Gianforte, the first Republican governor we had in 16 years, a dear friend of mine. They passed a law last month that simply says you got to have voter, you got to have a, a photo ID to vote. Now, Tony, if you come out to Montana, I took you hunting or fishing, you got to produce a photo ID to get a fishing license or a hunting license. You want to rent a car, you produce a photo ID. You want to rent a motel room, you produce a photo ID. It's not asking too much to produce a photo ID to vote. In fact, over 70% of the American people support that idea. So we passed that bill. Under what they're trying to do with this, this mansion alternate bill would say, you've got to go to this, you know, this, this, uh, this oversight group to get permission to put in place some of the changes in the laws that our states thankfully are doing to make sure we have more integrity in our elections. And so this is just a backdoor and another power grab for the left. Um, but by the way, Senator, I do have my photo ID. So whenever you're ready to go hunting, just let me know and I'll, uh, I'll be out there. Um, glad to. Give me the sense of Republicans. Are they going to stand firm on this? Because you described it perfectly. This is a takeover. Are they going to stand very quickly? Yeah, I think they will. Remember, it's going to take uh, unless they don't unless they blow up the filibuster, it'll take 10 Republicans to join 50 Democrats. I think we'll be able to stop it. All right. Senator Steve Daines, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tony. All right. And folks, don't go away. We're going to stay in Montana. We're going to be talking to the superintendent of public education there. They're uh, trying to put the brakes on critical race theory there in the public schools. We're going to be joined uh, by the secretary right after this. So don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. What is Roe v. Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com. 
Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you on the website. Also, let me encourage you, if you've not yet downloaded the Stand Firm app, you can do so. That way you can take Washington Watch with you wherever you go. But also, more importantly, we'll send you action alerts so that you can take action when necessary. Remember, our republic was made for participants, not spectators. Right, The left's attempt to inject critical race theory into America's public schools is uh, is not going unnoticed. In fact, we've seen more pushback in the last few weeks since the Biden administration has made this a priority. We see concerned parents all across the nation. School boards have been ousted. State legislatures have acted. And last week in Montana, the superintendent of public instruction there, uh, Elsie uh, Arntzen uh, uh, sent a letter to the state attorney general requesting a written legal opinion on the legality of such teaching in Montana's education system. Uh, and she joins us now to talk more about this. Elsie, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. You're very kind. And, and thank you for putting Montana on the map for freedom. And not only freedom uh, for our Constitution nationally, our Montana Constitution, as well as supporting families. That's my role as state superintendent. And I'm one of five constitutional officers. And I'm so proud to be humbly serving our families and our students. You wrote a piece uh, about this that I I read. Uh, You said we must ensure that our civics education and social studies standards are honest, candid, and most importantly, accurate. Um, You've written to the attorney general saying, hey, is this illegal for this stuff to be taught? Uh, What are you have you heard first? Have you heard back from the attorney general as of yet? No, I have not. And we're still waiting. And we're we're confident that um, our attorney general, newly minted, I served with him in the legislature when I was also a state senator, 
But more importantly, I know he comes from rural Montana, where we're the heart of uh, a very rural state. And we listen very, very carefully to families and to our school systems. We have over 400 different school districts in our great state, and uh, they're very geographically dispersed. The other thing that I know that our AG holds very dear is in our Montana Constitution, we have Indian education for all. And I believe we're the only state that does, you know, you know, shout this out that we are culturally diverse and we respect and we honor culture in Montana. So I'm very, I'm very pleased that we've given this to the AG and I think he's listening and he's pondering very carefully. Speaking of listening, I understand you brought together about a hundred or so Montanans to discuss this issue. What did you hear from them regarding this critical race theory? Well, thank you. Um, we have teaching and learning standards, and social studies embraces civics, history, geography, and economics, and brought over 100 Montanans to discuss uh, what it meant to be uh, an American, what it meant to be a Montanan, and embrace Indian education for all as well. And at that point, critical race theory wasn't uh, part of the big discussion, but I can tell you, factual education was. Understanding that there are differences of looking at an event in history, especially in Montana, territorial history there is. And we wanted to make sure that this was embedded between the time you enter public school to the time you exit. We had over 100 Montanans from different ways of life. And they voiced a very strong opinion. It had been over two decades that we'd even looked at this. And I was so passionate about it. You know, my dad was an American history teacher. And I learned uh, Montana history and American history by those original documents. We embedded the original documents in all of our teaching and learning standards for social studies. So I'm still listening to our families. I'm listening to our educators on what does critical race theory really mean and what will it do to disrupt what we have put into play traditionally as well as with these new teaching and learning standards. Well, Superintendent Arnzen, what is your, as you look through the curriculum that is being pushed nationally as it pertains to critical race theory, what's your biggest concern? Well, it's about the facts, and it should be about the facts. It's not about a theory that was created academically. It's it's about the facts. And, yes, some of the history that we pick up, that we look at, maybe like that rock, but we don't want to set it down uh, in that same manner. We want to set it down for children to critically think about those facts. But critical race theory brings in discrimination. It brings in a discussion based on economics, based on the color of your skin, the base based on things that really have nothing to do with Montana or should be embraced in a different manner where bias does not come into teaching. You know, I'm a teacher, a 23-year veteran, fifth grade teacher, and uh, I taught in um, uh, an, an economically challenged area. And in Montana, we don't have urban areas. We're still very frontier and rural. But most importantly, I want our children to think, and I believe our families do as well. And I don't want that word indoctrinization to come into our teaching profession in Montana. And I believe that's what critical race theory does. 
it will bring in a negative to our profession of teaching, as well as bring in a whole different light on what our standards of education are. Uh, very quickly, Superintendent Arnson, the, there are obviously folks not living in Montana, but concerned about this. What should they do? Oh, this is a call to action. You know, one thing that I do believe um, as a lifelong learner is that this health crisis, the pandemic, taught us a lot. It taught us to listen better. It taught us to understand what is education. So please, parents, get into that school boardroom. Talk to those teachers. Open up those books that might be online or in that um, backpack. Understand what is being taught. That is more important than ever. It's our precious tax dollar that delivers this, but it's our future that is being educated at this point. Some really good advice. Uh, Superintendent Elsie Arnzen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, great to talk with you today. You're so kind. Thank you so much and blessings today. Thank you. All right, folks, stick with us. Uh, next, House Republicans are saying... Enough with Nancy Pelosi's asinine mask policy. They're pushing back. We're going to talk about it next with Dr. Andy Harris, a member of Congress from Maryland. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news, and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard, by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me remind you again tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 7 Central, 5 Pacific Time. 
Prevost Stand. We'll be taking a deeper look into what is unfolding right now in Israel. We'll be joined by CBN News Bureau Chief from the Middle East, Chris Mitchell. Uh, we'll also uh, be talking with Caroline Glick from uh, Jerusalem as well, getting the latest on what is happening in Jerusalem in this conflict between uh, Israel and uh, militants of uh, Hamas. So uh, be sure and tune in tonight at 8 p.m. All right, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and the House GOP Doctors Caucus are introducing a resolu- resolution to force a vote on changing the House mask policy in light of CDC's newest guidance for people who have been vaccinated. Now, this comes after about a dozen Republicans refused to wear masks during evening votes yesterday. Now, with me now to talk about this push and the CDC's newest guidance is U.S. Congressman Andy Harris. He's a doctor as well. He represents the 1st District of Maryland, and he co-chairs the GOP Doctors Caucus uh, Andy, welcome back to the program. Uh, good to be with you. So let, let, let me make let me just get to the heart of this. Is this about following the science and not the politics of masking? Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. Uh, Speaker Pelosi, who always uh, chastises Republicans for not following the science, is absolutely not following the science on this. I mean, her own CDC director said it's safe if you're vaccinated to not wear masks, to go back to normal life. I guess that's everywhere except the House floor. Now, when she was asked about this last week, whether or not she would uh, follow the CDC guidance and uh, ease back on the masking, she gave a resounding no. Um, How strong will the Republicans push this? Well, we're going to do a privileged resolution today. That's about almost as strong as you can get in the minority. But the bottom line is we're going to continue to talk about the need for the House to provide an example for the nation to actually say that if you are going to go ahead and get vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. And and honestly, it's ridiculous that the speaker and especially the attending physician is insisting that 100 percent of people, members and staff would have to be vaccinated before they can take their mask off. No one anywhere in the scientific literature or in the public health arena, says that everybody has to get vaccinated. You're absolutely right, Andy, in terms of the messaging of this. I go back to President Biden speaking to a joint session of Congress in which only 200 members were there in this 1,700-seat auditorium. Even though almost every member of Congress has been vaccinated, they, they, they can't carry on business as they should. And it tells the rest of America, why get vaccinated? Because we still have to live under these uh, oppressive rules. That's absolutely right. Uh, Look, I'm glad the CDC finally came around. They actually should have done this several months ago. It actually would have encouraged some more people to be vaccinated. Uh, But again, this is just pure politics. This is the politics of power. This is the speaker saying, I'm the ruler. I'm going to set the rules no matter what the science is, no matter, you know, for instance, if somebody's had COVID as a physician, I usually advise them that they don't need the vaccine. They've had the natural vaccine. Uh, There's no evidence that the vaccines that they can get from a doctor are better than having had the disease itself. And yet under the speaker's rules, they would have to get a vaccine. And, uh, And although I encourage 
a lot of people to get the vaccine. They, every American has to remember, this is not FDA approved. It's only authorized for emergency use. You talk about power grab. Is this just about trying to control the Congress and, by extension, the American people? Oh, it has to be. You know, the fact that if you don't wear a mask on the floor, even if you're standing 20 feet away from someone, you get a $500 fine, and the second time, you get a $2,500 fine. Now, there aren't many crimes. For which, for instance, if you get one speeding ticket, there's a certain fine. When you get the second one, the fine is exactly the same. Not for this, because the speaker wants to send a message that she's in charge. No matter what the science is, she's in charge. Can, can we start a, uh, a GoFundMe account for members of Congress who get fined for not wearing masks? Well, I- they're going to need it because if, if she actually intends to find them, and, and I just came back from the floor a few minutes ago, the 10 members who didn't wear a mask yesterday didn't wear a mask today, which means they're going to start getting fined. And these fines, and these members are just not going to wear masks from now on. So these fines will build up massively unless the speaker changes her mind and follows the science. Well, maybe we need to look into starting that fund so that we can stand with those members of Congress pushing back against these uh, oppressive, overreaching policies of the uh, the Democrats. Uh, Andy Harris, thanks so much for joining us. As always, great to talk with you. Thank you. Congressman Andy Harris of Maryland. To find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. And I'm saying by, by, Jan, by uh, July the 4th, no more masks. In fact, I'm, I'm not wearing them. I mean, if you want to wear them, fine. But to be mandated and required to wear them, it's control. No more masks. All right, coming up next, uh, in the next segment, we're going to be joined by the Republican leader in the House, Kevin McCarthy, who's pushing back against another overreach by the Democrats. This one on this 9-11 type commission for January the 6th events at the Capitol. Both he and Senator Mitch McConnell have said, no, they're not going to support it. He tells us why next here on Washington Watch. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins, live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history, and it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org slash Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. 
The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Again, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 7 Central. That's 5 Pacific. Pray vote stand. We'll be taking a closer look at what is happening right now in Israel. We'll be joined by uh, Chris Mitchell from Israel. Also, Caroline Glick will be joining us uh, to uh, to talk about what's happening there in Israel. Also, Senator James Langford, who I traveled uh, to Israel with a number of years ago, he'll be joining us as well to talk about the politics and why this is uh, so important that we get it right. Again, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray Vote Stand, PrayVoteStand.org. Also, let me uh, remind you, men in the Colorado area coming up on uh, June the 19th, we'll have our next Stand Courageous Men's Conference at Woodland Park in Woodland Park, Colorado. That'll be at the Karis Bible College. Find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. Okay, we're going to be joined in just a moment. We're going to be joined by the Republican leader. At least we're, we're planning on it. Kevin McCarthy, uh, the House right now in the midst of voting on this proposal by the Democrats to create this 9-11 type commission uh, investigating the events of January the 6th. Now, the Republican leader in the House and the Senate, Mitch McConnell in the Senate, both have come out saying they are encouraging Republicans to vote against this. Uh, it's unnecessary. And, you know, the, the concern I have about this is that it is putting what happened on January the 6th, which we have repeatedly denounced. I think it was the folks that did that and I know I've heard people have been offended by it, but I think they were idiots. Uh, that's that's not how you do things in this country. And as far as being an insurrection, 
was an insurrection. It was, if it was, it was the, the most, um, make sure I choose my words carefully, uh, the most ill-planned insurrection in the history of the world. It was a, an act of mob violence. In fact, it was the same type of violence that we saw happen throughout the country over the course of the year. It just so happened at this time, it happened to be those, I think, at least most of them, on the other side of the political aisle than what we've seen with Antifa and Black Lives Matter burning and looting cities. Why are we having a commission investigating that? Why are we not looking into the violence of the left and the efforts they were engaged in? This is all about politics. This is connected to the mask. It's connected to the whole agenda of fear and control. It's why the the city of D.C. continues to look like an armed camp, even though all of the private entities like ours have taken down the boards after the rioting and the looting of last summer, relatively safe now that they're not protesting Donald Trump. But yet when all of the private entities were taking down the boards and the barricades, oddly enough, they started going up around the Capitol. Not that there was a threat, but it made for great theater. That's what this is about. This is about theater. It's about creating a narrative, being aided by the media, playing along with them. Because when you create fear, it's easier to control. And I'm grateful that we have Republicans that are pushing back on this and saying, we're not going to be a part of your your charade, that we're not going to be props in your play to scare the American people and to manipulate our country. Um, I think it's, we're going to be joined. By, but, but first, I want to bring in uh, one of our team members that has been tracking this more closely. Connor, oh, well, we do have the uh, the leader now, so we're going to go straight to uh, to the leader uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, as I said, they're voting right now uh, on this 9-11 style commission to investigate uh, the January the 6th. Um, uh, leader McCarthy, are you with us? I'm with you. Tony, thanks for having All me right. on. Absolutely, Kevin. Okay. Uh, the vote's actually uh, going to be taking place here momentarily. It's being debated right now. You and uh, your uh, counterpart in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, have said Republicans should oppose this. Tell our listeners why. Yeah, they should oppose it because it's duplicate. It's designed politically. There are already two committees in the Senate investigating this on a bipartisan basis, and they'll have a report out in a couple weeks. You got the Department of Justice has already arrested 445 people. Um, that is the correct uh, place to go, law enforcement, to look at if somebody had done something wrong, which they had, and arrested them and investigate. And then you have the um, architect of the Capitol was given $10 million to examine how the Capitol could uh, be more secure. So you got four different entities already doing this. And when you watch what uh, the Democrats have put together, they set it up where only Democrat staff would staff this. Um, this really looks like duplicate. Uh, it looks like it's politics being played by Pelosi. We want to get to the bottom of it. Um, we want to get to the bottom of it, but we want to get to the bottom of it for the simple fact that we want to know what's gone wrong 
how do we make sure it never happens again? But also the scope of it. You had on Good Friday another officer killed, um, but Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to investigate why that happened or how can we make sure that never happens again. So for all those bases, uh, I'm opposed to it. I mean, Leader McCarthy, it's kind of hard to escape the politics of this. I mean, this came as a bookend to a year of violence and uh, all across America, the streets of America, looting, burning. Just so happened that was people primarily on the other side of the political aisle. It was the left, Black Lives Matter, Antifa that was doing that. Uh, granted, it was not the U.S. Capitol, but it was U.S. court buildings, uh, courthouses uh, in Portland. So why why not the intensive investigation into those events, but only this one? You know, that's a very good question. I raised that to the speaker. Um, why wouldn't we look at the events that took place rising up to this, this day, and what happened afterwards. We, we see it still happening in Portland today. We've watched it happen in many of the federal buildings across the country. I personally, for one, would like to know the answer to it and the solution to stop it so it will not happen again. But Speaker Pelosi wants to just have a scope only of January 6th. And, 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 and to be clear, I have denounced it. I think it was uh, it was just ludicrous for people to do that. Uh, it was, uh, as I said, it wasn't we should all earlier be held you... accountable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and they are, as you said, over four hundred are have been arrested for that. But what I think most of us see this as it's is being treated differently than the lawlessness that uh, swept across the country for an entire year. And this is about political theater. And I'm so grateful that the Republican leadership is standing up and saying, we're not going to be props in your play. That's exactly correct. I mean, think about that statue over the statue uh, over by the uh, Supreme Court. She's blinded and she's blinded because that's the way law should be. Law should be fair, equal with the scale that she holds. Um, And everyone should be held accountable. So anyone who um, broke in and did wrong on that January 6th should be held accountable. But who's best to investigate that? The people who do it for a living. The FBI, they're out there arresting people. They're doing the research behind it. And what's really concerning about this group that Pelosi wants to put together, they don't put anything in the writing that would make sure that they don't hamper what the FBI is already doing. But what about all the other things that have gone through for the last summer that were political riots and others to federal buildings? Why wouldn't we look at that as well? Uh, I just had on, uh, and I think it's related to this. I just had on Dr. Andy Harris of Maryland. uh, And I know you've joined with the doctor's caucus in uh, pushing back on the mask rules that Nancy Pelosi has put in place. I mean, almost every member of the House is vaccinated. Uh, You know, according to the CDC, once you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear the mask. Um, To me, this smacks of nothing but raw political power that we see over and over again from the speaker. And I think Americans are are looking, at least conservative Americans like myself, are looking for exactly what you're doing. And that is pushing back and saying enough is enough. I've actually put a privilege resolution on the floor we're voting on right now. Um, it simply says, and it is, it's so embarrassing, whereas if you're in the House of Representatives, in that chambers, you have to wear a mask. But if you walk over to the Senate, you don't have to wear a mask. The doctor actually gave a different letter to the senators than to the House. And it's all because Nancy Pelosi wants greater control. If you follow the science... CDC tells us we don't need to wear our masks. 
But because Pelosi wants to have to control everybody, she's enforcing. And if you take your mask off, they charge you 200 and or $500. And the second time you charge $2,500. You've been around a while. We've uh, we've seen this uh, different names, but kind of the same play. Well, actually, the speaker was there back in 2009 uh, when Barack Obama was president, pushing through Obamacare. There was a massive overreach. I don't think it was as aggressive in terms of raw power that we're seeing today. But the American people responded. Are you are you hopeful that you'll see a similar response in the midterm elections uh, in, in less than two years from now? I believe we are. I'm seeing it right now, the frustration. And the sad part, some of the reasons why we're seeing it, because we're seeing a government that looks like Jimmy Carter is president again. The gasoline lines, the inflation, the unrest in the Middle East, the lack of leadership with America to make the world safer. And this didn't have to be. This is just within five months what President Biden and then the movement of the Democratic Party to the socialist agenda. I'm hearing not just from Republicans, but independents and Democrats who are disgusted by this. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, and you know, the economy has a profound impact on the way people view their their condition. I mean, obviously, if you're not uh, there, there are other factors, but if you're having to pay more, inflation is going up. Your gas prices cost more. You, you don't have a job because a pipeline was canceled and all of the domino effect of that. I mean, that's what we see under the policy. I, I'm shocked every time I go to the gas pump that it continues to rise. And he's only been there four months. You know, we haven't seen the national gas price like this since the last time he was in office as vice president. And think about what he's done. He's only empowered and made Russia stronger adversaries. He's cut American jobs. We're energy independent. Now we're getting Russian oil into America. We're getting hacked and having lines where gasoline stations have no gasoline. He's ignoring the border that he's opened up. And now there's terrorists walking across the border that we're catching on the terrorist watch list. I sent a letter to the director of the FBI and CIA, and I just got a response. It's classified, so I can't talk about uh, the things that are in it. But the one thing I will tell you, I want every leader to be able to read that letter because it is scary. It's worse than what I thought. When I first went to the border and I came back after speaking to the border agents, that they're catching people not just from Central America, but from Yemen, from more than 100 different countries. But they're on our terrorist watch list. When I made that statement, I thought other members of Congress would join with me to try to protect the border. The Democrats called me a liar. And now what we're finding out, it's worse than I even imagined. Why are they coming here? Who's bringing them? Who are they meeting? What do they have planned? Why wouldn't the president or the vice president go down to the border and see what they've created? I mean, this what's happening is in the border is a dereliction of duty and the vice president won't even go to see it. The president has created this with their own executive actions. Um, to me, it's one of our greatest threats as a nation. It, it is. I was there about a year ago, back when it was like a ghost town, uh, because of the policies of the Trump administration. The illegal crossings had almost completely stopped, primarily because the Border Patrol agents weren't babysitting and having to process. They were actually out on the on the uh, the border protecting the border. Now, with this influx of illegals coming across, along with the unaccompanied minors, they're they're all tied up and no one's watching 
the border. There are some elements of the border that 40% of the agents that would be along the border protected can't be there because they're in uh, taking care of the unaccompanied children. These are the individuals that Joe Biden told them to come on in, to bring here. Um, we're going to have more than a million people illegally enter the border. But the question is, when you're catching people on the terrorist watch list, how many people and terrorists are you not catching? Where right. are they going? What do they have planned? Uh, very good question. Um, I, I want to ask one final question, and this is another foreign policy question as it pertains to Israel and what is happening there right now. I mean, during Trump, the Trump administration, all these predictions because he was moving the embassy because of recognizing the sovereignty of Israel over the Golan Heights, there was to be violence. The opposite was the case. We had peace accords. But just three, three to four months into this administration, we have the, the most intense violence we've had in two decades. And you, you know what's changed? An administration, a president who now talks to Iran, who provides people with the missiles to shoot at Israel. Um, and then what's even worse, you've got a Democratic Party that criticizes Israel for sending up the Iron Dome to knock out the rockets that are coming at them. Could you imagine someone sending rockets into America and we couldn't respond and we'd be criticized for protecting our own citizens? Yeah. It's appalling yeah. uh, the Democrats believe in this. Absolutely. Um, Kevin McCarthy, we're going to have to leave it there. We're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us, and I want to thank you for pushing back on the left. I think there's a lot of us conservatives out there that are grateful for it. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate all the work you do and all, all the conservatives out there. Stay with us. We're fighting because this country matters, and we're going to win, and we're going to turn it back around. We're going to make sure all the right. next century is the American century. Thank you so much. All right, folks, we're out of time. I encourage you to do just what the Apostle Paul says. When you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 